Startup Experts is a 1,000-plus member organization of finance, ops, and HR leaders that come together in person and online to build relationships, to learn from one another, and to support each other personally and professionally. While no one member is an expert in all things, collectively our combined experience is extraordinary and our passion for learning is unparalleled. This podcast is about amazing people, their perspectives on our ever-changing world, and how we adapt to these changes as leaders. My name is Jesse Fries, and this podcast is about becoming better with Startup Expert. In this week's podcast interview, I'm very excited to introduce to you Jen Haller, a Startup Experts member in our Seattle hub market. Jen is the chief of staff of Ascend Venture Capital, an organization that invests and supports early stage startups, primarily in the Pacific Northwest. In the following discussion, we explore her experience living and working in Seattle, what the startup scene looks like there, and why she loves being a chief of staff so much. She also shares her story of being the world's very first recipient of the COVID vaccine and what she learned from that experience. It's a fascinating tale. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Please enjoy. Good morning, Jen. So nice to have you here. Would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Um, uh, I'm Jen Heller. I am chief of staff at Ascend Venture Capital. I have a uh, long background of running operations for startups and um, based in Seattle. Amazing. I'd love to hear about your career, how you arrived at where you are today. Yeah, I studied communications in college, did marketing and public relations after that, and uh, had my kids and was getting back into the workforce and thought about the things that I really enjoyed about previous jobs. And they turned out to be more on the back end, on the administrative side of things, on, on taking care of people and taking care of things and making sure that ideas were executed upon. And so that got me into the world of startups and office management, team building, uh, running the back end of, for early stage startups. Ah, so cool. And I think I saw that you grew up in the Seattle area. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. Born and raised, Seattle's become more and more popular and it's really fun to being out these days and running into other people who, who are also from Seattle, like it's not a lot. There's a lot of transplants here and it's a great community. I, I really find it to be an open and welcoming community. I think, you know, especially because we're not like, we're not the Bay Area. We're not, you know, the, the biggest base for startups and, and for venture capital. I think that that gives us the space to support each other and to recognize that, you know, the, as the tide rises, we're all lifted. And so yeah, it, it feels like a great community to be a part of. Yeah, that's what I hear. I, you know, as you know, I live and, and work in the Bay Area and I visited yeah. Seattle a few times and it's always struck me that it is a different market, you know, different cadence, different types of startups. In your experience, and I know you're involved in a number of groups, would you outline kind of the differences about Seattle and perhaps, you know, how the startup ecosystem is being supported? I would say what's special about this space and what's special for startups is that we have had a, a huge influx of, of technical talent coming into Seattle, being attracted by Amazon, Microsoft, and, and other larger tech companies. And so with that, we're seeing a huge amount of innovation and capacity and, and brilliant minds coming here to maybe work for those big tech companies. But then, you know, put in their time, make their money, 
maybe a good number of them recognize that they don't want to be, you know, a cog in the wheel. And, and maybe there's more that they could do with their talents and with their passions. And so I think that leads to a lot of people considering to, to found a company or to work for a startup. And I think that the recent, you know, changes and layoffs in big tech, I think, have definitely been a boon for startups, especially here in Seattle, in that not only the people getting laid off from big tech, considering going to work for startups or start their own company, but also people that currently still work at those big companies, I think are recognizing, oh, maybe my job isn't as secure as I thought it was. And so that opens up the possibility that they maybe could go join a startup, you know, possibly if you can join a startup that, you know, has two years worth of runway. Hey, that's probably more security than you might have at, at, at Amazon today. So I think that I think we're, it's a really ripe space for innovation and and for startups to grow. Yeah, I've seen that as well. I think, you know, when I'm working with newer startups in the Bay Area, oftentimes I'll see the founding team come out of Stanford or Cal Berkeley, and then it's their first startup. I tend to see, and I'm curious if this is true from your perspective as well, that the founders of startups in Seattle tend to be a little older. You know, they will have started at a Microsoft or an Amazon, you know, had the first third of their career, and then they come out with an idea. Yeah. Hey, and I think I'm biased in thinking that is probably a really great way to start a company, to start with a founder who has some experience under their belt and has some understanding of how things work. I'm sure there's other benefits of having a really young founder, but I think the more seasoned operators can provide a lot of stability and a lot of knowledge to help grow a startup in a more sane way, maybe. Yep. Understood. <laughs> I noticed that you were involved in a couple groups and, you know, female founders, Find Ventures. Tell us about those groups. Yeah. I mean, so so Find Ventures, is they just wrapped up their first cohort, but they give non-dilutive grants to underrepresented founders and then put them through their cohort. And so it's $100,000 non-dilutive grant, which is so key for underrepresented founders. It gives them, it's a meaningful amount of money that helps them get, uh, you know, traction that they need. And then I'm on the advisory teams. There's a bunch of amazing advisors that are part of that group that volunteer time to to support these startups and help them get off the ground. That's amazing. Would you mind telling us a little bit about your chief of staff role? I, wow, so many things. I'm later in my career and I have found a role and a match that is just perfect for me. And it makes me so happy because I'm doing everything that I I'm good at and I'm doing things that I already do naturally. So it almost feels like I'm not working. I mean, obviously I'm working, but it, it's just such a perfect match for my past experience. And so, yeah, my chief of staff role, which is funny because my company Ascend is one founding general partner, Kirby Winfield, and then me. And that's Ascend. And so I find the title chief of staff quite funny because it's just me. <laughs> but as I've learned, and I think as others are learning or know, that chief of staff can mean quite a wide range of things. And so my particular version of chief of staff is I'm on the back end and I'm taking care of everything else that, that my founding general partner is not doing. So, yeah, so he's out on the front line working with our limited partners, working with our portfolio companies. And 
I'm on the back end making sure that we're crossing T's and dotting I's. And so he's got the big vision and I'm helping execute on that vision. I think what for a lot of other chief of staff roles, what that can mean is what I've run into is, is a lot of people who actually aspire to be a C-level executive. And that chief of staff role can be an opportunity for them to try that position out a little bit on the back end, kind of, you know, shadow that, that executive. And that person will eventually move into the C-level roles. I am actually quite opposite on that. I have no desire to have a C-level role. I really am comfortable on the back end. And that's what just makes it a perfect match between me and my founding general partner. He thinks I'm a genius for everything that I do. And I think he's a genius for what he does. Neither of us aspires to do any of the opposite. And it's, it's a total joy. I'm totally in my zone. That sounds amazing. It sounds like you really yeah. complement each other. You know, we met originally because you approached startup experts seeking a resource and, and uh, a place where knowledge could be shared. Yeah, we are a team of one on the operational side working at startups, and we don't have peers, in, you know, in our company for sure. And we're trying, you know, as a startup, you're just doing new things. You're just figuring things out as you go. And I was recognizing this and, and realized, you know, there's a community of other people like me who are running operations of startups who also, you know, we don't need to be reinventing the wheel every time. So I started, you know, just pulling together people that I knew that worked in operations of startups in Seattle. And so started our own little Slack group and had little meetups and got together and got to share resources and ideas. And then, yeah, it was about, you know, nine months ago that I discovered that startups experts existed. And yeah, I reached out and was really excited to bring our Seattle group into the larger startup experts community and really take advantage of, of that wider range of, of knowledge and resources and community. But yeah, I think that's what's so important about what Startup Experts is doing and, and what you offer is we are working on our own. We don't have to reinvent the wheel every day and we can lean on each other and, and find our community with each other. So I, yeah, I was really happy to find you guys and really happy that the Seattle group that I started is now part of a larger group. Yeah, no, that's great. And it's growing. Uh, you know, last time yeah. I looked, I think we're almost 80 members in the Seattle area. So yeah. really excited. And I think of all of our hubs outside of San Francisco, you know, the Seattle hub finally has a monthly cadence of events. Yeah. You know, I see two or three events that are already on the calendar, which is awesome to see. Yeah. People want to be together. I think, you know, probably even more so working from home and going through all that having that community is even more important than we, than maybe it was years ago. So let's go back to the chief of staff role and tell us a little bit about all of the things that you might be juggling in a given day. And why does a community like Startup Experts or as a team of one, why is it helpful to have individuals that you can reach out to? Yeah, for many working startups, no, no day is the same. And I think that's part of why we're here, right? We like that variety. We like that, that, how dynamic that can be. So while the last 15 years I've worked at startups, just last year, I moved over into the venture capital world. So what that means is I, I work for a small VC fund. And so instead of working with one startup and living and dying with one startup, I now have about 40 different startups that I help support. And it really feels like an exponential way for me to use my past experience to to help more startups. And we invest in pre-seed, 
companies. So it's just, you know, a couple founders and some big ideas. And so to see them grow that journey from that first investment that we're involved in and see them grow their team and get their resources under them and build their products, it's really rewarding and it feels really impactful that I can do this at a, at a larger scale than what I've done in the past with working with just one startup. So yeah, no day is the same. So I help at the top of the funnel, whatever, of how we're structured. We get money from our limited partners, high net worth individuals. They invest into the Ascend Fund. So I help with communications with them and relationships with them. Then, of course, you know, as a VC, we take that money and then we invest into the startups and they get to work with our founders. So much of the job, which is surprising, is not tactical. It's about, well, it's tactical, but it's about relationships and it's about making connections. And I have built a career that now I'm a, I don't know, super connector or, you know, I just, I know a lot of people. I know a lot of resources and I can input and, and make connections and bring people together. And that's just so much of just being aware of what's needed and knowing where to get those resources. And so that, you know, really loops directly back into what Startup Experts provides is if I have a question about something, I don't know the answer. That's okay. I know I can ask the community and I know that somebody that multiple people in the community have solved this problem before are currently trying to solve this problem or on the other end of it, you know, being part of the community. I've solved a lot of problems before and I pay attention to the questions that are being asked and I raise my hand when I have an answer or when I can provide some support. Sometimes it's just providing, you know, good support on the level of like, yeah, man, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's, you know, it, it's not always, you know, a complete answer, but just to know that we're not alone is truly really powerful. I'm just so thankful for this community and so thankful to Jesse, you and the leadership team. I have an idea of how much work it is and, and, and um, it's a lot. And it, the, the work that you guys are doing to, to bring uh, the community together, to bring these resources uh, and to help all of us in these roles, you know, feel less alone. Uh, it's, it's so powerful and, um, and, uh, you know, exponential, I, you know, think, talk about exponentiality a lot and, and, and so thankful for the effort that you guys are putting forward because it, it's really powerful. Tell me about Ascend VC. Are you largely investing in companies in the Pacific Northwest? Is there a uh, focus area? What type of companies yeah. are you helping? Yeah, yeah. So we're focused on the Pacific Northwest. So Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and British Columbia. Um, there's some exceptions where we'll go outside of there, but really better best to just say we're focused on the Pacific Northwest and we're investing out of Fund 2 now. And Fund 2 is a $25 million fund, and we are solely focused on AI and machine learning. So it's funny, Fund 1 um, had investments that I could actually like explain, you know, a kid's book company and a teen beauty line and, and you know, things like that, uh, tangible things that I could explain to you. Fund 2, the AI ML stuff out of my wheelhouse. But fortunately, yeah, obviously, Kirby knows what he's doing and, and making those investments and I'm, I'm able to support on the back end. That's okay, though. I have my area of expertise and it's not AI. Yeah, that's fine. It's certainly become yeah. a really interesting and quickly developing space. Are, yeah. are there any companies that 
you are excited about? Yeah, my favorite is currently it's called Udly, and they are an AI speech coach and they help you with your public speaking. And so it, the app sits on your desktop. I should be using it right now, actually. It sits on your desktop on the back end and it will give you prompts. It'll let you know, slow down. It'll let me know if I'm not using inclusive language. It will, of course, tell me if I'm saying too much or not making eye contact. All of those things that you want to know when you're, when you're make, speaking publicly, as I am currently. Hey. But the tool is fantastic. The team, I, I absolutely love this team. They are on the Forbes 30 under 30 list, and they just have so much energy and, and so much passion for what they're doing. And I'm really excited to see uh, where they take it. That's amazing. Sounds like so much fun in the role that yeah. you have. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Tell me uh, or share with us the vaccine trials that you underwent. That's an amazing yeah. story. Yeah. And so COVID, so early, yeah, in early 2020, about February 2020, and a friend uh, posted on Facebook that one of our local clinics, Kaiser, was opening up a trial for a COVID vaccine. And, and it was going to be the first or one of the first trials wasn't quite clear what it was, but, you know, of course, like all of us, I was in the middle of, you know, uh, what's going on? How can I help? What's happening? Also, Seattle at that time was kind of, I mean, I think we had the first case in this area, so it was kind of forefront. And so, I mean, I'm not a vaccine trial person or any kind of medical trial type person, but it was of the moment where I thought, well, Maybe this is something that I can do to help. And so I signed up and was accepted and it all worked out. And it just, you know, it happened on March 16th that I started the phase one trial. It was the night before. I knew it was early. I knew this was going to be in first time. I knew that they hadn't even finished animal testing. Like it was, you know, it was a rush. It was done well, but it was early. Um, and it was the night before that I was going in for, for the first dose and I, I read a uh, breaking AP news story and it said the first person in the world is getting, you know, the, the COVID vaccine tomorrow. And I'm like, well, my appointment's at 8 a.m. Um, <laughs> and I knew media was going to be there. So I, yeah, it turns out that I, that I was, was the first, um, and it all worked out. It was great. What's cool about that experience is that I became the voice, the face for COVID vaccine for, you know, for a good nine months. I had so many opportunities to do interviews and, and be on national, international news. And I, you know, the, the science of it, all that, the interesting, like, have I grown a tail or a third eye or whatever kind of questions? Sure. But what I really, what was powerful for me is that I was able to, I found my voice and being able to talk about privilege and being to talk, able to talk about how when we're in crisis and, you know, the whatever's happening with how can we help others? What can we do? How can we look outside of ourselves to help others? And about how I was able to do that, why I was able to take that risk to do a phase one vaccine trial like that was because I have a lot of privilege in my life. I have a lot of security, had a job that was, you know, family, everything, you know, life was okay. And so that allowed me to step outside of myself and ask, how can I help? And this was a, a big way that I was able to help. And was able to talk about, you know, how maybe that could inspire others to think about how they can help during crisis as well. So it was amazing. I'm really proud of myself and really thankful for that experience. That's a great story. Have you gotten COVID? 
I I eventually did just so like six months ago. Yeah, I <laughs> got it. Did. So it wore yeah. off after a while. Yeah, well, yeah, and I and then I I got the booster and, and things like that. But during the trial, like we didn't again, it was phase one. It was a safety trial, so I, I made no presumption that I had any immunity. We didn't even know this vaccine going to be the one that that was going to be the right one. That was still a, a huge question. Turned out that it was. It was the Moderna uh, vaccine, and it turned out to be the right one of the right ones. And but no, I never. I yeah, I never presumed um, that I had any immunity. Uh, that's such a great story. Um, what is something that, you know, people might not know about you? Well, people might know this about me, people that know me, but I am, I'm a helper. I, I'm always observing and looking for opportunities to help driving down the street. Whatever, you know, like I'm just, I'm ready. Why is that? I, I don't know. I just care. I just, you know, I want, um, I want people to feel safe. I think that, you know, I really like to talk about, again, about privilege. There's privilege of like having money and and having housing and a job and, and that. But another privilege that I was given growing up was just the emotional safety. I mean, sure, there was trauma and, you know, parents divorcing and, you know, abandonment. Well, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Not to just, you know, but yeah, I mean, we all have, you know, things that happen. But foundationally, I had a very stable mother. And a very stable stepfather. And that just gave me a real safe space to grow from and to expand out of. And I recognize, and I know other people in my life, people very close to me that did not have that privilege when they were growing up. I just have the privilege of, of kind of already having that base. And so I can grow from there. My kids are 19 and 16, and I feel like they give me so much hope. You know, them and their friends give me so much hope that we are evolving. And that we will continue to do better. And that with each generation as we're raising our kids and being mindful of that safety and emotional security that we can raise them with allows them to grow up and do more as well. We're all trying to do better than our parents did. And we're all trying to, you know, raise our kids better. And I think a big picture that that is happening and that works. And uh, I'm here for it. Yeah, I love that. Certainly. The notion of empathy as a leadership quality. I love yeah. to hear that. And yeah. I'm sure it served you exceedingly well through the years. It has. I, I would say maybe something that I've figured out that I can point to is that I trust people and I, I trust people and I recognize that they are doing the best that they can. Maybe that doesn't match up with what I am looking for, what I need or, or how I communicate. But if I can know that, if I can believe that people are trying to do their best, then we can, you know, there's variations on that. And sometimes it doesn't work. And sometimes, you know, I have to say that's, this is not for me. And I, you know, I'm not going to participate in this. That's totally fine. But I find that this capacity to trust people really does pay off in a way that, that most people that I interact with really do deserve that trust. And it goes both ways, right? That allows people to quickly trust me and, you know, we can work from that. Um, I think it's really powerful. Again, I think it takes a lot of security and a lot of positivity and, but, you know, genuine positivity and to operate in that way. But I, I want to inspire others to to work on operating with, with that level of trust as well. That's great. When you're not working, when, and I imagine as a chief of staff, you're working long hours with a lot of juggled balls. 
What are you passionate about outside of work? Well, I number of hours I work, actually, I mean, it kind of it bleeds into because I get to do events in the evenings and stuff. And so I don't know if I really call that work. I get, you know, technically it is it's work related, but I I don't feel overworked. I have a good balance between, you know, personal life and work. But I also they also blend together nicely. Like I, I enjoy checking email in the evenings. I enjoy staying on top of that. But that's because that helps me for the next day. Like then I don't have surprises. And so. At any point, if that starts stressing me out, then I'll change how I do that. Maybe someday I actually have to, you know, just completely not look at emails in the evenings and just completely shut down. But right now, it, it, it's a good combo. So, so I, I don't know. I don't overwork. I, and I don't recommend others to do it either. Like, why? I think also the pandemic probably helps with, helped with this for sure. It's like, why else are we here? I mean, if we're just working our asses off, and I think a lot of what that is overworking is about putting putting our happiness in the future and saying, oh, okay, well, if I just do this, if I just, you know, climb this and do more, then I'll be happy. Oh, then I can relax. No, I'd say, I mean, you've got now, and now is all you have because there's no tomorrow, you know, getting all philosophical. But honestly, there's no tomorrow if you're not happy now. You know, I, that, that that's not the goal. So it's okay. I went on the tangent of your question, but. No, I really love well, that. What do I do in my free time? Yeah. So, I mean, as little as possible, I honestly, I love just downtime and watching shows, taking the dogs for a walk, visiting. My son is up at, at college in Bellingham, going up to visit him, having dinner with my daughter, seeing my parents. I'll go out and hike or something, but I don't really read. Uh, no, I'm satisfied. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. For an individual embarking on a chief of staff career or, you know, that kind of role, do you have any advice on how they should approach a career in that field? Yeah. And so to clarify said before, and uh, when I'm talking about my chief of staff role, it's different than somebody who wants to be a future C-level. Number one, find an executive or, or a leader that you trust and that you really want to support. And because I have that and because I've found that in my past roles, I've had leaders that I've worked with that I really liked uh, professionally and I like personally and I trust. And that allows me to release a lot of the stress. A lot of the stress that they carry, that's their stress. I'm here to execute. It's not, I don't say like, it's not my head on the chopping block at the end of the day. What I love about that is that I can be responsive and I can be supportive, but I don't have to take on the stress that they are challenged, you know, challenged with. So I would recommend to find a situation like that and to recognize that, you know, Focus on the things that you're good at and the things that you have control over. And there, you're going to be faced with a lot of things. There's going to be a lot of things in your world that you don't have control over. And it just kind of depends on what your goals are. My goal is not to have control over all of these things. My, you know, my goal is not to, you know, be on that level of, of, of business. So just recognize where your space is and make sure that it's something that you enjoy doing, like a, that's a value to me to not be that stressed out and not be overwhelmed and just focus on the things that I can execute on. So yeah, I, my advice is work with somebody or work with a team that you really respect 
the last startup I was at, I had a number of offers and a number of choices. And the direction I went, the startup that I went with was one that their mission, what they were solving was not actually that interesting to me. It was solving something in the collections industry. And so, you know, I'm not super passionate about collection in that, that world, but I picked that job because of the team, the founding team, and and it was the right choice. I'm very thankful that I was able to see the team and not count the company out because of the the mission of the company. And it was a good, it was a good decision. I'm happy I did it. So people, the people that you're working with, I think that's number one. I love that and couldn't agree more. The people that you surround yourself with are so important. I want to thank you, Jen, for being here. This has been an amazing discussion, and I've really appreciated the opportunity to get to know you better. I hope you enjoyed the previous discussion. If you are interested in learning more about startup experts and potentially becoming a member, please visit www.startupexperts.us. The community was created over five years ago for finance, ops, and HR leaders to meet, share knowledge, and support one another. Since we all work cross-functionally together in-house at our respective companies, we believe that it's incredibly valuable to have a community where we can also learn each other's perspectives. This podcast, Becoming Better with Startup Experts, will in part explore these roles and how we can effectively work together. I hope you will subscribe.